0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view this on YouTube or listen to us on iTunes or Spotify. We always want to uh, encourage you to let us know how we're doing. You can reach me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net. Fred Jeff Smith at cox.net. Uh, Drop me an email and and let us know what you think about the Thrive Podcast, how we're doing and what we can do to make it better. I'm very happy today to welcome uh, back to the Thrive Podcast, your second time with us, Coach Byron Wade, head football coach of Bel Air High School.
1: How are you, Coach? I am great. Today is a great day. Um, What a time to be alive in spite of the current circumstances. um, i Believe that it could always be worse, Pastor Fred yeah, it could always be worse, and you know I don't take that for granted. I'm excited um the direction my life is headed, and I have nothing to complain about, so today is a great day
0: wonderful, as this is being recorded, it is july twenty fourth uh we we're right on the precipice of uh school's uh scheduled date to reopen. Uh, We we understand that uh, things have been pushed back as far as in-person learning, uh, at least until Labor Day. Uh, But tell us, as someone who works for the East Baton Rouge Parish school system, what are your thoughts about the school system's preparedness to receive uh, children back uh, for school this school year?
1: Well, I think there are many uncertainties of what could potentially happen. And I believe that I support the school system in taking the approach that they are taking because safety should come first. I do not believe that our kids should be what I would like to be called used as guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. Um, Things could take a turn for the worse and we definitely wouldn't want our babies to be affected by COVID-19. So mm-hmm. I think the approach that they're taking is the best. Realistically, I do believe we don't know what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when I say we, I mean our leadership, you know, our leaders, the doctors. Until we get a vaccine, seems like we're just trying to buy time.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, uh, until there's a vaccine, Shiloh has not had uh, in-house worship since late February, early March. I'm not exactly sure when we stopped. I want to say it was early March, uh, and and we we had early on talked about anticipation of going back in in June, but uh, when when I went to some of our leadership team, including. Terrence, who's, who's do, doing the production that we're doing right now, uh, it, w- it became very clear that nobody here was ready to go back into in-house worship. And so we've been doing virtual worship ever since then, virtual worship, vir- virtual Bible study. And so that leads me into talking about virtual school. And uh, I, I understand uh, we, we we had a member of the school board, uh, Darius Lanus, uh, here uh, recently, and we talked about uh, uh, virtual school and virtual learning—you uh, can't play virtual football. <laughs> so, sure. so, 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 how, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I understand, unless things have changed and I haven't kept up. Uh, the Louisiana High School Athletic Association has said that there will be no fall sports until the state moves into Phase Four, and currently the governor is holding us at Phase Two. So it seems like there's a wide gap between where you need to be to play ball and where you are. What, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I believe that safety must come first. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about a contact sport, we have to make sure that we are taking all precaution to be able to get back out on the field. Best case scenario, they're going to push the fall sports into the spring, and they're talking about flipping it, whereas track and baseball will be will take place in the fall, and football and basketball will do the same. Well, as you can see, the SWAC mm-hmm. has decided to make that, that, that same decision. Right. And I think everybody is doing what's best for their situation. Yeah. Um, the way I feel about it, Personally, it buys more time, and it takes the attention off of football. It brings our attention to understanding where times are headed. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is, I like to say, unprecedented. I mean, you had the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s, and now we're dealing with a pandemic that has really spun out of control. mm mm-hmm. Um, looking back on the start of it, when things began to shut down in March, we w- seemed to all be in a rush to get back to our normal standard of living. And that has made things worse. Right. So when you talk about stepping onto a football field with kids, that's one component of it. Mm-hmm. But let's think about the fans. Let's think about the cheerleaders, the dancers, the announcers. The band. Right. You know, everybody you can't keep everybody six feet apart in those situations. So then you go to the economy. I think that's the the motivating factor that is pushing us to want to get back to that normal standard of living because we're losing money, but in the reality, all the focus needs to go on putting a cap on this mm-hmm. and keep sustaining the lives of everybody mm-hmm. not just our youth but all ages all people that's my belief
0: aside from the obvious disappointment surrounding the covid 19 how excited are you to have been named head coach of uh, the beller high school football program i know that you have been involved in coaching for a number of years but this is your first head coaching position so t- t- tell us how, how excited you are about that
1: I couldn't put it into words Fred Jeff this is a dream come true for me this is actually the first time I've had a vision of something that I wanted to manifest and it actually happened um, on my journey I felt like I've been overlooked I've also made a lot of mistakes
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and you know, and making those mistakes, I'm my biggest critic, so I always critique myself and try and make sure that moving forward I learn from the mistakes I've made and you know make the best of everything moving forward um principal Angela Jones she's given me an opportunity, and I won't let it be in vain mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that that's that's my in my everyday walk and everything I do I am. I'm just overly joyed with the opportunity to be able to lead um, a high school football team. I'm not just a football coach. Mm-hmm. I'm an educator. Yes. And I'm a mentor. Yes. So, in being that, I get to transform these young men into adults, get to build their character, enhance their character, and mold them into being productive citizens.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because. Uh, one of the things that I remember from the last time that we talked is your uh, bringing up the whole idea of mentorship uh, that 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 for you coaching is not just about athletics. it's not just about wins and losses, but it's about having an impact in the lives of the people that uh, come under your tutelage. Is there a difference uh, between uh, mentorship of the average young person at Bel Air versus uh, people in Baker, because Baker was your last stop. It, are are the needs different between what's going on at Bel Air as opposed to what's going on in Baker? Or do you find them to be the same regardless of where you are?
1: Well, they have parallels in some instances, and there are some differences and some similarities. Of course, you're dealing with inner city kids Mm -hmm. and always with inner city kids, circumstances tend to distract them, Mm -hmm. hinder them, hold them back or get in the way of them being able to achieve their goals. I think what's synonymous is their value system. Our youth, our black youth, Mm -hmm. They have a poor value system. The things that they value is not important. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, as a mentor um, at Baker, I tried my best um, along with Coach Eric Randall, uh, Coach Mitchell Connor, uh, mm-hmm. other coaches and teachers to get them to understand that you can overcome adversity and overcome certain circumstances somebody told me that who better than to teach a broken child than a former broken child Mm -hmm. so being that I've overcame lots of things um, I I look forward to being able to go to Bel Air High School evaluate what's going on Mm -hmm. because you have to evaluate a situation and meet people where they are You have to identify where they are first. Mm -hmm. You have to identify those circumstances and then formulate a plan and approach of how you're going to enhance the situation. So to answer the question, um, yes, some of the things at Baker High School are are ongoing at Bel Air High School. The biggest thing I take away is we came into Baker High School having to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And we were able to Bill have gradual progress that turned into rapid progression. Mm-hmm. At Bel Air High School, I'm coming into a situation where I have to rebuild, restore, rejuvenate. So because I just took part in doing so, you know, I think I'm better equipped um, to come into Bel Air High School to be able to enhance and and do some of the same things and have the same types of success. Mm-hmm.
0: This is home for you. You were you were born and raised. You went to Southern Lab and and uh, made a success of your life, and you've been teaching here, coaching here for some time. What does it feel like uh, to be able to be a contributor back to the community that you were raised in? You didn't have to go somewhere else. You could do it at home.
1: I don't often tell this story, but being that I went to Southern Lab and I was a above-average athlete, When I decided to start my journey of coaching, I wanted to go somewhere else to make a name for myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my reputation and what I had done at Southern Lab to provide any favor for me um, on the coaching scene. Mm -hmm. So, being that I am in Baton Rouge, Bel Air is where I scored my first touchdown, (laughs) you know? so. Did I think about that when I interviewed for the job or when I applied for the job? No, but as I drive to the school and look at that field, I'm like, I never knew that 20 years later, 25 mm-hmm. years later, I- I'd be here. I-, I give much credit to my father, Ronald Wade, who coached year-round um, within Breck, mm-hmm. football, basketball, and baseball. So I was a backseat, back of the van, passenger seat, type of child that was always on the go and my dad did this for free so I'm trying to understand well you know no compensation you're getting off work from working a full eight to five choosing to go to practice to provide opportunities for young men as I got older I realized sports keeps the youth clean yeah you cannot save everybody yeah but If you can eliminate that idle time, you eliminate those distractions, you give them something to look forward to, and you use that as a tool to enhance their life, Mm -hmm. and you get their full undivided attention. At Bel Air, I've come in, I've been there 10 days. Mm -hmm. Every day I tell each one of my players I love them, and I love them unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And I believe the formula of unconditional love is the formula that, will always win because, let's think about some of those circumstances at home, they're not getting that love all the time, they're not seeing it displayed, and you definitely don't have somebody telling you, hey, I love you even when you're wrong, Mm -hmm. even when you do something wrong, I'm going to chastise you, I'm going to correct you, you know, there will be consequences, but I'm still going to be here. Right,
0: right um you went away to 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 go to college you 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 came back and got your master's degree from southern but you went to ul uh and uh t- tell us about that experience being away from
1: home well my dad i tell him all the time that i feel like he sheltered me mm-hmm. we tend to disagree because he responds and says well byron parenting doesn't come with a handbook, Yeah, you know, and he can Mm -hmm. remember certain times things happen to younger boys. And he said, well, you know what? I'm not going to put my son in a position to be at risk for those things to happen. So Mm -hmm. I'm saying to myself, I'm an honor roll student, you know, I'm, I'm excelling athletically. Why can't I do some of the things that my friends were able to do? But, as time has moved on i understand it because now i'm a parent yeah and now i'm an extended father figure so you know i it it, it has come full surface for me to understand that uh you know you, you you're not going to understand everything but you have to trust um the process me going away to college was something that i could not wait to do I wanted to get away because I, I just wanted to be away from home. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't uh-huh. mentally prepared. Uh huh. And, you know, that testimony of me going to school, uh, not waking up for class on time, mm-hmm. not going to class, that was necessary for me to become the man that I am today. So, I so
0: that was the discovery that, that maybe you weren't disciplined enough, not not being able to go to class. I mean, not not being able to get up to go to class on time. And and that that's an important thing because you can't succeed if you're not in, in, in the classroom. Uh, you know, I'm I'm homegrown too, born and and raised right here. My first experience away from home was going to Boy Scout camp, and I hated. I hated it so much that i lied and had my parents come up there and get me told them i was sick and then and, and brought me back home because i i didn't want to be there it's a little bit different when you go to college you can't call home and say i'm ready to come home
1: uh
0: how did you make the adjustment what what helped you to make the adjustment
1: well falling on my face i guess i was the type of young man that knew the stove was hot but i had to touch it mm-hmm. to really understand how hot it was. Um, I come from good pedigree. Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. I have a a great mother who is now deceased, and I have a great big brother, and I also have a great father. So just that immediate support system, you know, those prayers from my grandmother and grandfather that I've never heard but know that they were sent up. Yes, sir. Um, When you talk about grace and favor, Yes, sir. you know, being able to get blessed with things that you don't necessarily deserve all the time. Uh, that's, that's what really saved my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you, you have taught on the uh, middle school level, I started to say junior high, but it's not junior high, it's middle school level and on the high school level, from a mentorship standpoint, i would imagine and you correct me if i'm wrong that the earlier you get them the the bigger the impact you can have on them so was it better dealing with middle school children as opposed to high school children from a mentorship standpoint i'm not i'm not talking athletics i'm just talking about from a mentorship standpoint
1: definitely so um dealing with um young the youth at a a younger age is going to always be better because you, st- their attention span. Mm-hmm. You know, they they, the older they are, the more distractions. Talking about that value system, they mm-hmm. they they begin to chase certain things and and value certain things. Sometimes you're out of their reach. Mm-hmm. So being that they are immature and young, you know, you you have a you can have a greater impact. And in my experience. Um, I've been able to nurture the younger um, people a little bit better and have a stronger impact than Mm -hmm. those that are older.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right through here in Baton Rouge, and it's taking place all over the place, but I'm talking primarily about Baton Rouge. Uh, We're having uh, an outbreak of gun violence. I put a post on Facebook this morning uh, saying that you can't have a serious conversation about mitigating gun violence unless you're willing to have a serious conversation about mitigating guns. Uh, What do we do? And and I bring this up to you because you you talk about your mentorship uh, relationship with young people. A lot of this is young black people utilizing weapons against other young black people. What is it that we can do, not just you in the classroom, what is it that we can do as the African-American community to to help our young people with regard to gun
1: violence? I think what we can do is find ways to eliminate idle time, get these kids involved in something. So that takes number one, the parents, Mm -hmm. so the guardians, they have to be willing to force our kids into some type of extracurricular activity. Mm -hmm. They have to have extracurricular activities that actually interest them. So us as a people, we need to create not just mentorship groups, but sports, uh, you know, the artistry, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be Lots of kids want to be rappers, lots of kids love music. We need to have more opportunities for them to get involved and we also need to expose them to different things. Lots of kids don't understand that the world is so much bigger than Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Right. So I'm sure you can relate, I can relate every summer. I went somewhere yeah. for the summertime and to go to Florida, to go to Texas, to go to Georgia, to go to California, Places that I've never seen, it just gave me a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the topic of that value system. These kids value <laughs> foolishness. Mm-hmm. The music, NBA Youngboy, um, Fred O'Bain, you know, the, these local artists who are rivaling, but guess what? What? They don't stay. In Baton Rouge, Mm -hmm. they they were bred in Baton Rouge. They Mm -hmm. grew up in impoverished neighborhoods of Baton Rouge. They're rapping about Baton Rouge, but they stay stay elsewhere. Yeah. So they're promoting violence, and they're making it as the cool thing to do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the kids are migrating and gravitating to that because that's what's appealing to them. So we have to we have to change that appeal. We have to find ways to make other things attractive. Um, And I think that goes into the interests of these young people. We have to dig in, find out what their interests are. From there, we create situations to allow them to immerse themselves into areas of interest.
0: Mm -hmm. With regard to you and, and the totality, of who you are, you're not just an athlete, former athlete, coach. You're not even just a mentor. One of the things that, that, that brought you here the last time that you were here was talking about your love of acting and, 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 and theater. Yeah. Uh, you, you You told me before we started taping that in addition to coaching, you're gonna be teaching theater art. What do you see as Uh, the interest level for theater in young people
1: today? I think it's not much of a strong interest because lack of exposure. Mm -hmm. So Nazarene Baptist Church, every holiday, I was fortunate enough to be forced from Sunday school to be in a production Mm -hmm. where I was required to learn lines, um, to play a certain character or role that didn't cause me to have an interest that let me identify hey i have a talent uh-huh. um, in this uh-huh. so right from within the church but if you talk about kids that may not necessarily be attending church all the time they have to be exposed right um the thing i like to teach in my class is step outside of your comfort zone um make that the cool thing to do just to try something and mm-hmm. if you don't like it then you know you don't have to continue doing it but i think that's what will spark the interest of a lot of kids. And, it, and as far as acting, for me, it's very therapeutic. Pain is something that we're all gonna experience yes, um, at some point in life. So when acting, you get to tra- transition that pain into reality. You know, the pain that you feel, you perform, and whatever that character is, you can relate to some of those traits mm-hmm. um that are called for um for that character, so I think you know being able to understand that i that's something I identify myself, yeah, you know, I think if young people would get involved in acting, a lot of them have personalities, they like to clown, they like to tell jokes, you know they have to be exposed
0: mm-hmm. You were talking about rapping earlier it's it's amazing when you look at it the number of uh, african-american actors who got their start with rap music uh... if you just sit down and think about it uh... just names pop up ice tea ice cube uh... uh queen latifah ludicrous all, all of these people started off in the rap world and uh... made successful transitions into the acting world. What do you see as, as, as the similarity between uh, that particular music genre and acting?
1: Well, I think you can only tell a certain story for so long. Mm-hmm. So music that sells is music that comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. So after a successful career in music, your days are numbered. Because once you achieve a certain status of fame and you're making a certain amount of money, these people that are buying your music can't really relate to you anymore. So I think the transition comes in at that point in time as that's the next step. Um, wise people will always, I'm not gonna say will always, but commercialize themselves. Mm-hmm. you know, Ice cube was a bona fide gangster mm-hmm. a gangster rapper when you look at boys in the hood that movie i don't, he didn't look like he was acting he <laughs> wasn't doing much acting yeah you know so i think you know that's the next step and again people fail to realize when you say performing arts you have dance right you have rap you have singing but performing arts is acting to actually convey a character mm-hmm. and become another person you know that is a, f- a form of artistry
0: yeah yeah I uh, I'm curious as to how it feels to be a dad again hmm. uh, uh, I see pictures of you with with, with your newest child uh, on, on Facebook quite a lot i'm i'm twenty three years removed from a small toddler. ain't interested in going back by the way uh, but, <laughs> but 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 what's it like to, to 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 be dealing with toddlers again?
1: First off, I'll say my my two sons, Byron and Jackson, are my my most prized possessions. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was blessed with sons told me something about myself that all of what I've been I've been through all of what I've experienced cannot just be a waste you know so my story has to be told and just telling the story mm-hmm. sharing testimonies um, getting involved performing um, having a toddler is a lot of leg work it's a lot of running around, correcting, Um, I think the biggest factor is patience. I think patience is what comes out of it because when you have one child, you're just catering to that one child. Mm -hmm. But once you have that second child, you identify things that you could have did differently with the first child. So. you you try and be be a better parent, but you also run into the problem of a little jealousy and a little envy, because my oldest son told me that he thought me and his mom loved the younger one more. Sure. So it made me go take a look in the mirror and step back and say, well, what am I doing? Or what am I not doing um, to make sure you know, you want to be the perfect parent, but you know, you can never be. But to make sure that you are both pouring, pouring into both, in my case, both of my my children to make sure that they are getting everything they need from me as a father.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I, what's the age difference between years? Six and two. Okay, four years. Uh, I I am the second born of, of my parents' children. There's a six-year gap between me and my older brother and I can tell you I did the same thing I, I went to my father I looked at the freedoms my brother had uh, as far as mobility things he could do stuff like that and, and I said well why can't I do what he's doing why, why don't I have that same amount of freedom it must be because they like him more than they like Right. Me now, from the flip side, because they were six years removed uh, from my oldest brother, they had more to give to me than they had before, and so he's on the other side saying, uh, How come he has stuff at that age that I didn't Dude. have? You almost like him more. more than you like me. So it's a balancing act, and, 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 and four years is not, not quite as big a gap as six years, but how do you handle that balance?
1: Well, I take that same situation with my son. And I told the six year old, I said, well, does Jackson take swimming lessons? Mm -hmm. Can Jackson swim? He said, no, sir. I said, well, seems like Jackson may feel some type of way about you getting swimming lessons. And I said, son, you have to understand what a role is. And I, you know, I, I told him a role. He is a big brother. And of course, Jackson is his little brother. So right. his role, his job, his responsibility is to teach Jackson. I said, son, I always want you to do what? He said, be better than you. I said, so being the big brother, you should always want Jackson to do what? Be better than me. So, you know, I hope that that, you know, helps. And And, and we'll see as the years come. But I do take the time to really reflect. And think um, to make sure because growing up when we grew up we always say well my, you know my mom or my dad wouldn't have been worried about that situation and you'll be alright but they have something called childhood trauma mm-hmm. and most times we don't identify, We sometimes we never identify mm-hmm. but we don't identify it until we become adults
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it was recently pointed out that African-Americans don't tend to get therapy. So the, the, the fact that we don't get therapy, we're going around undiagnosed yes. with, with, with things that we're just, we think that is normalized. Yes. Depression, we think that it, it's okay, you just have to fight through. Yes. And that goes back from 400, 500 years of the oppression, you know, that we've dealt with as a race, yes. that we feel like that's just what it is and we just have to fight through. When times have changed, yes, sir, and that's not the case anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as you move forward, you were raised in the church. You may mention of that. Uh, you're working with young people now. What role can the church play? I asked uh, Mr. Lanus this earlier with regard to uh, the the COVID nineteen crisis. But, but beyond that, what role can the church play in helping our young people uh, to properly develop uh, and, and mature into productive members of society? What role can we help you play? Because while we might see them once a week, twice a week, you see them every day, mm-hmm. several hours a day. What, what support role can we play in helping you do your job?
1: Well, I'll start off by saying what role can the church play in the lives of young people? I really thought about this prior to uh, you, prior to being here today. I think the church has to find better ways to relate to young people. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is a huge disconnect between the youth of today Mm -hmm. and the church. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that is going to, to bridge that gap is to connect with them by allowing them to tell their stories, putting them in a position where they can articulate and tell certain things for us to be able to identify what they're thinking and how they're thinking. Yeah. You know, lots of times I hear all these different theories of why there isn't a God and you know but as times have changed the media you know so many different people having platforms and voices to speak so many things are put out there I had a quarterback that I coached recently and I developed a strong relationship with him and I said you know son make sure you keep God first he said coach my stepdad told me to go research Dr. Nietzsche, some particular person that was saying that there was no such thing as a God. I said, well, I'll break it down like this. I said, think about it like this. I would rather live my life believing that there is a God Mm -hmm. to die and find out that there isn't than to live my life as if there is no God. And to die to find out that there is. And I was able to get through to him. But if I would have, you know, insulted him or shot that down, you know, I I listened to him. So I think the church needs to step in, give these kids a platform, find a creative way to outsmart them, Mm -hmm. to use psychology to benefit us so we can identify how are they thinking. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out how somebody is thinking, you can better approach how to bridge that gap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as far as me, how I can be helped, um, just by by allowing, of course supporting me, but allowing me to be able to lean on the church. And And when I say lean on, I mean to be able to have the kids get involved. Um, let's go back old school. Mm-hmm. If, some works need, if some work needs to be done, instead of paying somebody to put the fence up, let's get the, the, these, these youngsters mm-hmm. to put it up. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm saying that for a lack of better way of putting it, but let's get them involved hands-on. Because I remember growing up in Nazarene, we used to sneak and play in the baptism pool. We didn't have anywhere to play, <laughs> but we were around the church. Yeah. So, you know, we used to stand in the pulpit and act like we were preaching. That's my reality. Yeah. But again, we have, you know, we have to be able to expose our youth to allow them to feel comfortable because so many things have been distorted and, 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 and placed in their minds, and now they have access to so many other things that distract them from the Word of God and the reality of what life is all about mm-hmm. and that's in my opinion
0: Coach Byron way head football coach Bel Air High School I'm very happy for you and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come and share with us today continued success to you thank you for viewing thank you for listening we'll be back again next time.